All right, welcome back, everybody. Thirsty Thursday, number 49. And I think if we look at our actual episode numbers and how many we've put out, I think my numbering is off. The whole counting from one to three to five, whatever it is, apparently I I didn't make, I didn't make that day of school. Uh, so we'll get that fixed at some point. Um, yeah, thanks, buddy. Um, tonight we have Roy Friedrich with us um, from one of the, the the logo that you may notice and recognize on his hat is National Rescue Consultants. Uh, we've had in the past Herbie, uh, Herbie Tyler uh, running that and doing a fantastic job in Florida with technical rescue, pumps, all kinds of training um, in Florida. And as, as Roy and I were talking before the show started, Herbie's plan to take over the world uh, with fire service training. Um, so I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll chat a little bit about that. But welcome back, uh, Thirsty Thursday. Cheers, gentlemen. It's good to see you. Salud. Look at that. Thanks for having me, guys. Train to live. Way to go. Train to live. Way to go. I'm going dry tonight, but cheers. Yeah, but you're going to you're going to Jobtown. That's right. That's Ooh, right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we'll just kick it around like we normally do. Welcome back, everybody. Um, like like we said, I think at the end of our last show, we've got our we've, we're pretty well planned out through February, which I'm pretty excited about. This is the first time we've ever done that, um, and we're I'm still working on into March. So, um, if we don't if I don't make it to the end. Keep an eye out and watch our social media, watch our website, and uh, you know see what we got coming. So that's all I have for the start, Trevor. Absolutely, thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Um, excited to have Roy on tonight. Um, like you had said, uh, he teaches with uh, National Rescue Consultants, Herbie Tyler's group, which is a bunch of quality folks um, that just give nothing but quality training. Bunch of solid individuals, and uh, I've actually had Roy in uh, my department on quite a few occasions now. Um, you know, to do some training with my folks. And it's it's always nice to know, and you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, that we talked about pre-show, but it's always nice to know that somebody kind of understands where you're coming from, whether or not you 100% agree on everything or don't, you still have the same mindset, you have the same background, you have the same mission focus. And um, that's what's really important, not not just with the NRC guys, but uh, you know, to Roy's credit, um, you know, we can sit there and just, you know, talk very viscerally, uh, whether it's, you know, it, in, in my office or the tailboard of the fire engine or text or, you know, on the phone, what, what have you. Um, you. You know, these people are going to take these nuggets of information and pass them along. And it's just so important. Um, unfortunately, you know, Bobby's got some uh, family obligations tonight. He can't be with us. But um, and Roy, if you ever get a chance to meet Bobby McGee, um, super, super smart guy, one of the smartest guys in the fire service that I know. Um, you know, other than these other two other MOOCs on the screen, but, um, you know, it's, it's always good to have people that, uh, you know, really want to not only engage the current generation of the fire service, but also plant those seeds, um, you know, for the next generation. And, uh, I, I recently put out a, I'm not a social media guy as Ben and I know Bobby always bust my nuggets about, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, as you get further along the fire service, you see more or you should see more and more value in planting trees under, you know, whose shade you'll never sit. Um, so it, it can't be about, you know, you and your uh, image, your legacy, you know, whatever you want to put forward. You know, it's about that next generation or generation you may never meet. So um, with that, I want to kick it over to uh, Michael Wood. Um, am, am I calling you? What do I, what do I call you tonight? Do I call you chief, lieutenant? Um you know, just 
badass Charm City fireman. Uh, what what do you want to be tonight, Mike? <laughs> it's not too charming, but um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'll just be a fireman tonight because I'm 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 here to learn. I want to hear everything Roy has to say. I'm excited. Uh, I might have to step out from time to time, but um, I'm all ears, man. And I'm uh, like I said, I I I love being a part of this. Uh, I know Roy, I haven't met you before, but I am, uh, I always sit here every time we, every time we do this, uh, every other Thursday, I sit here with a pad of paper and I am just, uh, feverishly writing, man, always trying to learn. So Absolutely. I'm for tonight and, um, thank you for the, uh, wonderful introduction there, Trevor. All right. My turn. Right, if you don't mind, just give us a little background on, on how you started, I guess, in the fire service and then maybe um, getting involved with NRC too. Yeah. So uh, I'll try to make this short. As my colleagues know, uh, I can be a little long winded at times. So for those of you watching, um, I will try and keep it as short as possible for you on occasion. Uh, how I got started. Literally working uh, construction jobs, you know, here, here and there, bouncing from job to job. Uh, not necessarily always going down the right path in life, needless to say, and um, needed to change. I don't come from a lineage of firemen, uh, literally not a single one that I'm aware of in my entire family on either side. Um, literally woke up one morning and knew that I needed to make a change. So that's that's how I entered, just literally on my own accord. Um, it was a tough road because of the, uh, rocky path that I had taken. It was not the easiest thing to get a job. Um, persevered after a few years, got a job in South Florida for, uh, a fire department, Martin County fire rescue, which is my current fire department to this day. Um, I was an ocean rescue EMT on the beach for four years before I transitioned or got hired by, uh, rehired by the fire department as a firefighter. Um, that was a little over 11 years ago. Spent the better part of a decade at Firehouse 33. Shout out to Firehouse 33, Black Sheep of Martin County. Um, spent the majority of that time as the driver on ladder three three the apparatus that we had there we had a uh, straight stick ladder truck we had two rescues and i gotta apologize to anybody else not from south florida we call rescues you guys call ambulances um and then we had a heavy rescue there as well so the heavy we kind of flexed on it wasn't manned uh is not manned um but the ladder and the two the two rescue trucks were were manned permanently. Uh, got promoted to captain about a year and a half ago. I'm currently assigned to training. I'm on days. There's pros and cons to that. I'm just trying to take every day, uh, day by day, and make a difference. I'm honored to be there. Um, you know, I, this is my passion. I've inadvertently made a career out of. Uh, you know, being a fireman first and foremost, but uh, being a trainer, I've got a knack for it. Uh, so much so that Herbie Tyler, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, kind of sought me out, which I'm is one of the most flattering things ever, and wanted me to teach for him. That was a couple years ago, and kind of hit the ground running. That's how I met Chief Steedman, and I teach technical rescue classes. 
uh, aerial apparatus and uh, driver operator like uh, you know hydraulics, pumping trucks, and stuff like that. I teach at the local college standards. Um, enough about myself, though. Enough about myself. That's me. Awesome, awesome. I I can tell you that uh, we had Herbie on as one of our. It's probably one of our first ten shows, um, and it's probably probably the first five or six, if I had to guess. I I have to go back and look, but had a little bit of working with him before that. Um, you know, obviously just kind of like we did getting this set up, but Herbie is definitely one of those guys that like, you don't go ask to work for Herbie. Um, you know, like that, like, that doesn't happen. No. Like it, it's definitely the other way around. So, um, you know, just the, just a little bit that I know about Herbie, um, you know, I think speaks a world of volume for you. So, um, I'm super excited. Like I said, I'm gonna have to cut out here in a little bit. Um, but I, I always listen to the show the next day. And um, so I'm excited to see like how, how the rest of it turns out. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So Trevor, what, what do you think here, boss? Well, I mean, kind of dovetailing in on what Roy is talking about. Um, you know, there's definitely people that have a passion for the job. And, you know, again, I'll give a shout out to the uh, national rescue guys that, you know, these are, and, for, forgive me if I uh, upset your sensitivities or don't use your appropriate pronoun because uh, none of that makes a rat's ass in the end of the day. But um, these are firemen teaching firemen how to be firemen. And, you know, that's such an important trait right now because we live in a very uh, technical world and not not in a negative way. But, you know, if, if somebody doesn't have an app on their phone for something, a lot of times they're lost. And these guys not only meet and exceed the standards that are set. <laughs> But they also teach from a very uh, visceral standpoint to say, okay, look, we're, we're going to make sure that you can pass the test and you can you know, get all your check boxes or anything else. They're not checkbox instructors. And that's what I've respected so much, not only about NRC, but uh, you about Roy as well, where you know, basically, basically when we can have a conversation um, before he comes in for class and say, okay, you know, what do you need logistically? Um, and how can I stay the hell out of your way? Number one. Um, and then, you know, he's going to make sure that my people are functional at 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. And, you know, just the feedback that I get, um, which I already know, but it's it's always nice to hear that reassurance that it's like, you know, when, when I sit there and, you know, talk to talk to my folks about something or, you know, they're uh, you, you can just you can just tell their level of uh, confidence and competence has risen so much. So that's why I kind of want to talk about a little bit um, you know, with, with Roy is just. You know, where, where's that passion come from? And, uh, you know, obviously it, it's not it's it's not a paycheck thing because, you know, none, none of us are, uh, you know, none of us came here on our private jets tonight to, to get on this webcast. But, you know, at the same time, um, you know, there's the sweat equity that goes into this from you know, all the different people. And, um, you know, and again, kind of going back to a little bit what we talked about pre-show is, you know, some of the, some of the passion, the message, the messenger. But, you um, Roy, if you don't mind, you know, talk about a little bit like your like your early fire service compared to now that um, and and Ben, you know, you'll be there one day as well. But I think there's a more than one 40 hour bitch on the screen right now, unfortunately. Um, and Mike, I know you're one, too, in Ocean City, so it's all right. Um, but, you know, as you go through your career and, and find out that you have some deficits in your training, not poking anyone else in the eye, but saying, hey, you know, 
how can I make this better? Not only for me to be the go-to person on my shift, on my, on my unit, but also to be able to pass those things along because, you know, we realize where we fell short or where we were kind of sold short maybe earlier in our careers. But, uh, you know, Roy, if you don't mind, just kind of, you know, walk us through a little bit of your journey and on, and how you got to, you know, being going from fireman to training to, uh, you know, uh, 40 hour guy. I'm, I'm sorry. I just had a break. Man, don't call me that, please. I know. I'm, I'm messing with you. But anyway, let, let's talk, let's talk about your training journey. All right. So, so yeah. So, so when I started, um, you know, for those of you that don't know me, like I had mentioned before, uh, I, I typically don't take the easy path. It's all self-inflicted. I will admit I'm not blaming anything on anybody else. Everything is my fault, but from young child to literally today, um, I tend to choose the, the hard road. Um, it was no different. My first year of becoming a fireman, uh, and I don't shy away from the story. I actually use it as testimony, um, to others. My first year was rough to say the least had me second guessing whether I had even picked the right profession that I had been trying for four years to achieve due to, uh, you know, ultra competitive uh, business, uh, job opportunities here in South Florida, as well as hiring freezes. When I did get hired, it was difficult. It took me four years to get hired. Finally got the job. My first year was rough. It was not what I was expecting. Um, my probation got extended. Uh, it was, it, it was difficult. I was, I got into this job, um, you know, I think like a lot of people do, and I'm not scared to admit it, but you know, for the schedule, for the pay, you know, it's, it, it's a, it, it's a, it's kind of a, I mean, some would disagree, but it's kind of a flashy job. It's kind of the cool thing to do down here in South Florida. Um, what I like to say is yes, I, I chose to pursue this job, but at about a year and a half to two years in, after a tough time, this job chose me. And it's the, it's kind of the craziest thing. It, I really had nothing to do with it. I went from, um, you know, kind of just trying to figure out how to tie my shoes in the morning and, and go to work and run calls to all of a sudden, you know, kind of being that eight to eight and out the gate type of guy, right? To all of a sudden, I was like, just smacked upside the head with a two by four by the job. And the job was like, Hey, you are going to be, you know, something more. And I kind of just went with it. And really chief Steedman kind of mentioned it a few minutes ago. Um, I guess when the passion really started and everything kind of took off for me was, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people can say this about themselves and, you know, rightfully so that's good, but I, I wanted to be the, the go-to guy. Actually, let me rephrase that. It wasn't that I wanted to be the go-to guy. I didn't want to be the guy that the call failed because of that is what initially started driving me. Okay. So whether it was, you know, a structure fire, an NVC, a technical rescue call, you know, ladder, engine. Um, I know I said we're not talking about EMS, but, you know, EMS calls even like I didn't want to be the guy that was going to hinder the crew 
or, ha- or uh, have a negative effect on the outcome of, of that call. So that was kind of my initial driving force and frankly still is to this day. And it's not, it's not to be the guy. I just don't want to not be the guy. Does that make any sense? Like, it's not about me. Like, I don't want, I don't, I don't like, you know, thrive off of, you know, people coming to me for the answers. I want everybody up at my level and preferably higher, like everybody, whether you got a year on the job or 20 years on the job, you know, I want everybody to elevate their game and to have that type of passion. So, I mean, I could talk and talk and talk, but kind of in a nutshell, you know, that's where the passion first started was, um, you know, like I said, in the beginning, the brotherhood was lacking a little bit or so I thought I found my niche, I found my firehouse and that's kind of where it took off. And then it was like, you know, a whole world of possibilities uh, opened up. And like I was telling Ben earlier before we went live um, and, and like I said uh, a few minutes ago was, you know, my firehouse was um, a ladder truck, two ambulances and a heavy rescue down here in South Florida, like we don't run true ladder and true engine. So being the driver, if we were first due, even though I'm on a ladder, I drive a ladder, I'm doing engine work. Okay. If I'm second due, or if there is ladder truck work to do, then I'm truck work guy. There's also a heavy rescue that if a technical rescue dropped, then we're jumping on that thing. And now we got technical rescues to deal with. Uh, rescue specialist, swift water technician, the, the sky's the limit. And, you know, it's just, I don't really think about and reflect upon, you know, my achievements. I don't really see them as achievements. I just see them as part of the job, to be honest with you. And anybody, you know, that is trying to claim that they're an asset to their department, it's kind of your duty to be this involved. And not just stop it at paramedicine or hazardous materials or technical rescue. Like you need to be multifaceted. And again, like I was talking to Ben, like, you know, Ben's like, Hey, let's talk about some things you like, you know, some of your passions or your passion or whatever. And I'm like, man, like I've got a lot like, I've got a lot of things. It's not just, you know, pumping trucks or just technical rescue. It's a lot of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I, I heard something that, the other week, uh, you don't have to be into this job 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but you have to be into this job for the 24 hours a day that you're here. And I think there's too much of that even lacking, at least I'm not saying my department, but from what I see in, in, in the bubble that I live in, there's a lot of guys that just take it for granted and they kind of just do the bare minimum and kind of scrape by. So that's just, you know, I don't point fingers at other people, but I, I wasn't going to be that guy. And, and Roy, real, real quick, I, I have to push back on you a little bit about living in a bubble because I think you're the exception rather than the rule. Um, you know, I've, we, we've got people who have a lot of different backgrounds on the screen right now. And, you know, there's a lot of things we agree on. Again, there's some things we'll sit there and argue and debate over, you know, several pints of Guinness. That's not a problem. But the nice thing is that we all come from a place that, you know, we, we have a why behind the way we feel um, and, and the, the strategy or tactics that we're using. And that's one of the things I've respected about you um, is, you know, you're going you're gonna to bring that 
you know, to the front and say, and you know, just like you said, I, I see a lot of that silo thinking uh, or people in, in bubbles, like you said, that they're so far behind, they think they're in first place. I'm not trying to be you know, rude or disrespectful, but, you know, what, one of the last, uh, you know, snot slinging building fires that I was on was with Ben. Uh, ben was my chauffeur. And, you know, we had multiple rescues. We had a mayday as, you know, several injured, you know, career ending injury of one of our crew. Um, you know, so it's one of those things that you, you, you take those things with you and say, okay, how could we have done things different or better? But just the mere fact that you're coming at this to say, Hey, you know what? We, 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 we might not be doing true truck work and that's not an indictment of the, I, I'm, I'm a truck monkey by, you know, by passion. Uh, you know, I know Mike is as well. Um, you know, Ben's a hopeless engine guy, but you know, there's always hope for him. He's young in his career. He'll, 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 he'll mature and find his masculine side and, you know, get some of that. If, uh, I get the, if I get the choice between being on an engine and being on a truck, it's on the truck, baby. No, I, I, I know I, that, but I was, relax, um, relax. I, I was, I was hey, going to say, I was going to say, what's, what's that? The permanent stations, write that down. <laughs> that, what's that free bottle of testosterone you can get that, uh, from the big hurt and, uh, uh and, uh, Doug Flutie and all that. I, I was going to sign you up for that. I, I didn't want to tell you, I didn't want to ruin the present for your birthday coming up, but anyway, um, yeah, but, but that's, you know, that's kind of the thing is that, you know, when, when you can look at your own capabilities and limitations and I'll say limitations as a negative, it's just that, Hey man, you know, he, here's where I can exist. Um, you know, I know what I, I, I can do and I know what I can do effectively. And I know I, what I can do is going to start being half-assed from this line forward. Um, you know, to me, that's so important. And I think that's a, a great mindset to have as an instructor also to say, uh, and I, I said this to my people um, Tuesday night, I said, you know, every instructor is going to pass along their strengths and their deficits to you. And we're going to teach you our 85%, meaning that what works for me 85% of the time is my go-to, my comfort zone or anything else. That's what I'm going to impart on you. And if there's something outside of that, that I don't know, um, you know, I've got to be the big boy in the room to say, Hey, you know, that, that might work. I'm not familiar with that technique, but you know, Hey, let's try it. And you know, you can't be afraid to fail in front of your people. And guess what? If it's, if it's effed up and it doesn't work, then you go, okay, well that was a waste of 20 minutes, but guess what? Now we know another way not to do something. So, um, you know, kind of getting more a little bit more specific um you know roy's done several uh, pump uh, two-part pump operator or uh, driver engineer classes for my department so one's an apparatus operator and the other one's fire department hydraulics and as uh my my maryland brethren are painfully aware there's the um there's the pumps class that teaches you all the theoretical things and it's some really great interesting uh questions on the 100 question test and there's other things that you need to be able to cipher out at zero dark 30 to make sure that you're maintaining water flow for the guys inside the building. So um, with that, and, I, and you know, Mike and Roy, I kind of want you to you know, share on your experience with this. Um, where, where do you see that difference between the, you know, the theoretical and the practical and, you know, how, how do you make that decision? I know for NRC, you know, there's, there's no line drawn there. You guys go, you know, meet the standards and exceed them, but go right to the practical. But from the, um, the Mifri standpoint, the state fire college standpoint, um, you know, how, how do we, how do we make sure that we not only present the stuff that we need, but also, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, not only present the stuff that's required, but you know, how, how do we meet that um, expectation to make sure these people are comfortable at zero dark 30? So, so Florida standards are, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be objective here. Florida standards are usually pretty high. 
you know, I deal with it with uh, standards, firefighter one, firefighter two. We deal with it when I'm teaching driver operator for NRC. Uh, these are state, state of Florida level uh, certifications that you get at the end. So you, you have to teach people the, the theoretical stuff, the textbook stuff, the PowerPoint, because they're, they're trying to achieve the certification uh, typically to get promoted. Right. But you all, you always have to let them know that, you know, th that's book stuff, but then there's real life stuff. And here's the thing, you know, you can gain knowledge from experience, but you can't gain experience from knowledge. You understand what I'm saying? So you, at some point you've got to get out there and we're talking about pumping trucks right now, right? We're talking about engine stuff typically <laughs> where you have to, you have to get experience. I mean, listen, the, when I started 11 years ago, the way my department was run at that time, uh, I was pumping working fires with six months on the job and it was literally no pun intended, but there's a pun here. It was literally trial by fire. Okay. It was interior crews, um, you know, room and contents. I had another one that was through the roof and you're literally six months on the job pumping fires. This was before we had, uh, actual driver positions. Um, you know, it's, I, when I teach this class specifically or any class really, you know, I try and I, I, it's a fine line between being a Debbie Downer and acting like you're all high and mighty, but also keeping people in check and letting them know, like, listen, I'm giving you, I'm passing on everything I know to you. Okay. But there's a lot more and you kind of have to go get this yourself. Like after you leave this classroom, after you leave, you know, our conversation and that's where the experience comes from. So you know, the theoretical stuff versus the practical stuff, you know, I've found that it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a lot of things. If you, if you guys remember back to standards, right? Firefighter standards, you learn a lot of stuff, frankly, that you probably haven't done since, right? But it's a foundation and you have to know these building blocks and these pieces and why these exist to know like the next level stuff. So these theories, you know, that exist in, uh, you know, pump operator, um, you know, there's a lot of math and a lot of people end up scratching their heads. Why do I need to know this? Uh, you know, cellular, cellular level based stuff kind of. Um, and it's like, listen, it's just, it's building the foundation that the more you can know, the better you can be and the better understanding when the shit hits the fan. Because if anybody's been a driver before, I don't know if you guys have been a driver before. And I'm not saying shit doesn't hit the fan, you know, during other assignments on scene. But the, the funny thing about driver that's pretty different than everything else on the fire grounds is that the driver, right, the first new engine, the guy pumping the truck is by himself. And I think a lot of people don't, realize that especially people that haven't been drivers everybody else has got a crew member right whether you're search whether you're vent whether you're you know on the hose line whatever the driver is solo so when something happens okay you have to troubleshoot that like yesterday because we all know why because we're here for them 
and them are the people that we're saving. And then secondary to them is my crew inside. And if something, you know, if the pump shuts down, cavitates, whatever, loss of water, burst line, you have mere seconds, if that. So, uh, you know, driver operator was something that I've, I've always held near and dear to my heart. And, uh, you know, I've always kind of looked at it like around the country, you know, true truck company departments and true engine company departments. And I've always kind of been like, man, I wish we were that because my heart lies in truck company stuff. However, (laughs) the longer I've got on the job, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually pretty fortunate that in my part of the country, we, we kind of have to be like all of that because otherwise I may have missed out on some really cool shit to be honest with you and a lot of knowledge. And this is kind of where, you know, I'm, I'm no magician. I'm no phenom. Anybody could do what I do. It's just, you got to put the effort into it and learn. And I've been fortunate that, you know, I've put myself in positions and I've had others around me that, uh, you know, mentor and teach and, you know, spill their information and knowledge into me. And all I'm trying to do is just give that to other people, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and Roy, I, I, I want to hear from uh, you and Mike both on this, because I think that part of being a driver operator, a chauffeur, a driver engineer, a FATO, you know, whatever your department calls it, is actually having the ability to lead, but also lead upward. And, you know, you have an officer on the, on the rig and, you know, you guys have been in that position as well. You've, you've ridden that right front seat. You've been, been in that chauffeur seat. But give an example, um, when, when you get on the fire scene, you as that driver operator, you as that chauffeur, you know the most advantageous spot for that rig to be parked and for the, uh, for the mission that you've been given. And you might have, you know, the, the guy in the white helmet or the gal in the white, you know, whoever it is saying, hey, I want you here versus, you know, what I got into the habit of, um, you know, when I became a, you know, a white hat was saying, here's your mission here's your box to operate in do your job figured out versus and you know i I know when i was chauffeuring a lot uh yeah i'd be told i I want you right here and i i pull up on the scene like this is shit you know i I can't do what you're asking me to do effectively and you you don't want to sit there and have the argument and you know save the baby by committee but um you know Mike and Roy, you know, can you guys talk for a minute about you know kind of you know, when you lead, you have to lead either you know, up, down, or sideways, or across rather. Um, but you, know, as a driver engineer, sometimes you have to lead up, um, and you, your officer might be a, a fill in that day. You might have a strictly an engine company guy, or you might have someone who's came, come over from a, a paramedic unit who has the uh, you know the butter bar on the collar that day but doesn't really have the reps and sets on that piece of apparatus and those capabilities and limitations. So uh, can you guys kind of expand on that a little bit, what, what your thoughts are on kind of you, you leading up and leading across? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in uh, because I, I can bring – Roy has done a great job of bringing that uh, perspective of engine operations to it. Uh, and I would say that – and I think we all can recognize that we have our weak areas – uh, if there was an area that I would like to learn more about, it would be that. Uh, I've spent, uh, I guess, the the negative side of what Roy was, uh, your fire department being so dynamic, was in is in mine. Um, we are fairly one sided, and uh, you know you learn your discipline, and and that becomes your trade. And I've been on a truck for uh, over eighteen years, so uh, you know I've been. Uh, 
my engine operations have been neglected. But I will say that I've been a driver for quite a few of those years, a chauffeur. Um, the driver of an apparatus is the all-knowing when it comes to that piece. Um, they are expected to know every tool on that piece. They are expected to know how to troubleshoot every piece of equipment on that piece. And they are expected to direct personnel on how to use it. Um, they also are, in, in my mind, are tempo setters. And we understand that our officer kind of controls the tempo upon arrival, but we kind of, we, we set the stage. We actually initiate that tempo in responding. Kind of quietly behind the scenes and, you know, exactly. Yes. Absolutely. So, you know, from the moment we get on the rig and get moving down the road, everything that we do actually starts setting the stage for how things are going to operate when we arrive. Um, you know, for, for us, uh, in my position driving, it is being familiar with your area, being familiar with your occupancy types and the structures in your area, being able to almost give the guys on the way there, uh, an idea of what you're about to head into. And of course your running route, how you get there, um, the speed in which you get there and the things that happen along that route are going to help either um, pump everybody up, keep everyone on an even keel, or um, <coughs> uh, almost throw a negative in. So yeah. uh, th that is a very important job to have, uh, knowing that you do set that tempo um, from the minute you get behind the wheel. And then, of course, upon arrival, the decisions that you make could uh, you know, improve the situation or make it worse. Uh, you know, depending on how that goes. So uh, I know here, uh, you know, that has been uh, very common practice because fortunately, unfortunately, uh, you know, we tend to race even our partnering companies to the scene. So that has always been a, uh, the way that our culture and our tradition here has been. And for better or worse, uh, it does allow that framework for setting the tempo of, of how the rest of the operation is going to go. So, you know, you get drivers that are calm and um, kind of get everybody going in, in that direction. And they'll tell everybody what the type of structure is. I've when I was a rookie, I had a driver that uh, when we would get in to go to a to a dwelling, uh, he would be able to almost tell us everything about that dwelling on the way there. And he would say, hey, you're going to need the 35. Make sure you get that off. You're going to need one on the on the Delta side and one on Alpha. Um, you know, this is what we're going into. And he was very calm about saying that on the way there. Uh, you know, he's, he was the guy that knew that had all the answers, uh, even though the one that was calling the shots, uh, you know, was sitting in that officer seat. Uh, but the guy that had all the answers to all your questions, to all your problems, uh, was sitting behind that steering wheel. So. You know, that that all that helps set the tempo. It helped calm everyone down and help put everyone in the right frame of mind for what they were about to do. Um, and, you know, there were times where, you know, he would put you once we arrived on scene, that spotting of that rig uh, made your life great or it uh, really handicapped you for the rest of the operation because of the amount of territory you had to uh, hump those ground ladders. 
uh, you know, that can smoke you marching a 35 up two blocks or in, down the back alley. Uh, you know, that's that's exhausting and you haven't even done any work yet. Uh, or you get the guys that can put that truck in an area that just doesn't make sense, um, you know, it, it, theoretically. And, you know, you're just amazed that they were able to squeeze a rig into the spot they did and you get out and, man, your operation's really easy, all because they knew exactly what they were doing from the moment they got behind the wheel. So I would say that of all the positions, it is the most vital part of, uh, of our company operations and, and, and being successful uh, because it does set that tempo for everybody else inside the cab of that truck. Um, but that's, you know, it, you know, I, I was, I'm always interested to hear the, you know, the engine side of it here. I'm used to seeing our pump operator, uh, pump operators, you know, just making sure that they beat that other engine in. Um, and that usually is first because that's going to grab you the fire. So that's, that's at the top of their list is making sure that they are first on scene. Um, and normally the, the guys that get there first on scene are the guys that do a fantastic job as a pump operator. Because the um, guys that want to get there first are the guys that are trying to get there first. Right. And, uh, and, and, and Roy, in, in your opening remarks, it, it says it all. Um, those, the guys that get there first are the guys that know the area. The guys that know the area are the guys that know their job. And uh, the guys that know their job are the guys that love this calling. And, you know, in, cult, in the fire department culture today and then, uh, you know, we, we've it's, it's taken a hit it, and it's it's taken a couple blows. And it's it, I, I feel like it's been set back a little bit. Um, almost, uh, you know, people are almost demonized for loving the job anymore. Mm. And, uh, you know, these guys that know their area and know their job and get you there first. Well, they're the ones that love the job. And listening to you talk initially, Roy, you're, you're obviously one of those guys uh, that love the job. And I feel like, you know, this is a great platform for for letting people know it is OK to be in love with this career. It's OK. It's OK to have someone call you squirrely because. Believe it or not, that's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, when someone says that because, you know, every little facet of whatever topic is being discussed and then in return, they say, man, you're so squirrely. Uh, that means you know a lot. And I'm jealous that I don't know that much. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is all I want to do is share it with everybody. Right. You know, so typically the guys complaining about that, they're jealous. And, you know, they won't tell you they're jealous. But, you know, they kind of look at you sideways and they're, they're jealous. And it's like, listen, man, like there's nothing to be jealous of. Like I want to give you all of this. Right. But again, like I said before, <clears throat> I'm nothing special. I'm a product of the people that I looked up to and I want to be that for everybody, you know, down the line, period. Like this profession and the people that we are here to help deserve better. And like you said, like the fire service has taken a hit. It's taken a hit everywhere. I think, you know, we've got new generation of people and, you know, they're not good. They're not bad. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm no, old timer. I'm no salty guy. Um, I, I turn 39 tomorrow, actually. Tomorrow's my birthday, by the way. Cheers. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. You know, but at the same time, I've got a little bit, I think of like a older school mentality. Um, you know, you got to earn people's respect. Like you don't walk in the firehouse and, you know, just get 
handed my respect. I, I want to give it to you, but like you have to earn it. Like that's something that means something to me. Like you gaining that from me is worthwhile. You know what I'm saying? And vice versa. I don't walk in, you know, I didn't walk in to meet Chief Steven for the first time and just, you know, expect that this guy was going to be like, oh, oh, yeah, NRC, like, here you go. Here's all my respect. He talked my ear off for the first several times I met him. And I know he was feeling me out and seeing what I knew and seeing if I was worthy of teaching his people. And you know what? <laughs> Part of my French, but that's fucking how it should be. Like, if it wasn't like that, frankly, I don't want to teach for his department. If that, if he was just going to like give me the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, and teach his people, it's that's not somewhere that I want to be. I want some, I want to work for people that, that want the best and want the best for their people. Um, and, you know, again, the, I digress for a second. So, so the driver, so the driver thing, let's talk about that for a second. And, you know, I don't know if the intention is to like, you know, have like back and forth, you know, um, but I can pretty much, it's funny. You work for Baltimore, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I'm down in South Florida. You're, you know, damn near Northeast. Um, do they consider that Northeast Baltimore? It's right there on the cusp. Okay. So mid Atlantic Northeast. (laughs) So, so the thing about driver, just like you said, we, I teach 80 hour driver class and then, you know, these guys and these girls go to get promoted and, and that's, I want them to, I want them to succeed clearly, but I tried to instill in them. I'm like, listen, what I'm teaching you is just, it's, it's numbers. Like I'm, this class is not about teaching you how to be a driver or a chauffeur. I'm teaching you how to pump a truck. Do you see what I'm saying? It's two completely different things. You have to get that yourself. I cannot teach you those intangibles. The driver is the tone setter. Um, the, the middleman between the crew and the officer, right? That he's, he's the referee. He's the toolbox. Okay. And I'm not a driver anymore, but I'm telling you right now, it is that position is so, so ultra important to the fire service that, you know, again, down in our part of the world, I think, or part of the nation, I think sometimes it gets a little overlooked and it's like, listen, so what I tried, what I strived for when I was the driver on a ladder, on a quint technically, okay. Uh, 78 foot straight stick, but cross lays, pump on the truck. Um, you know, you want to talk about placement issues. Let, 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 let's talk about that because I'm the ladder on scene and potentially fire attack as well. So, you know, there were issues there. But my, amongst other goals that I had, my main goal was to alleviate the pressure off of the captain okay don't listen trust me you don't have to worry about placement you don't have to worry about where the hydrant is you don't have to worry about you know giving me directions on how to get to this call you don't have to worry about occupancy type like let me take that off of you so because god knows you've got and you being the captain 
have so many other things to worry about. But when a captain doesn't trust their driver or when you have a driver that doesn't take their job seriously and they're not at that level, like you said, it's a domino effect and it can turn into a shit show. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> what all I tried to do was be the best driver I could be, set the tone, um, you know, and, and nail everything I could. And, and you know, kind of like I said before, the, the, the captain's running the show. Like, I'm a captain now, albeit I'm on days. However, any crew and captain with a good driver knows as well as I do that the driver is kind of like the down and dirty behind the scenes, like making sure shit is going smooth with all due respect to captains and lieutenants. Like I am, you know what I'm saying? You guys agree with that or do you disagree or what's your thoughts on that? No, actually Roy, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, from not only personal experience, you know, as, as a driver operator, but also, you know, as an officer, I, I've seen some of I've seen some chauffeurs get really, really upset when they had someone try to micromanage them than when they had that person in the right front seat. Because basically, if you say, Hey, here's the mission, be very mission specific and let let them run. Take you know, take the clip off the dog leash and let them run. If if they're if you've trained them, if you've done your job, let them do because they know that apparatus, they know the personality of it. And I'll kind of extend on what you said about being the referee. Um you know, really, I think you're you're more akin to being a goalie when you're on that engine because you know the capabilities and limitations of that piece of apparatus. And you know, I I pump fires where I've had every single line off and I'm pumping the capacity and you know my my intakes down, you know, getting ready to hit zero. I'm getting ready to cavitate. And you know, I, I have a white hat come over and say, Hey, I need this, I need that, or you have someone because if you're that first new engine, your your apparatus is going to get violated. Oh. I mean, everything is coming off your stuff. So you have to be that goalie. But again, this is where you have to be able to lead upward. And, you know, you do it with the you know, appropriate uh, decorum, obviously. Yeah, it, takes, it takes tact. Well, and that, you know, and that's not always easy. But when they yeah. say, hey, uh, I need you to pump another two and a half line. And you're like, uh, well, you know, chief people hell with ice water, too. But they're not going to get that either. You know, you've got to be able to tell them, you know, look, I'm tapped out. We have to find a different tactic because those people know. And a lot of times I think uh, strategically and tactically uh, from an instant command perspective, sometimes I think that we forget if, if we even had that background, you know, depending on your department, you might not have had to come up through that process to have been a driver operator or a pump operator. And you don't know the capabilities and limitations and you're tasking somebody to push something beyond its capabilities, which they they can do. I mean, they, they say, hey, look, I got another 30% in this thing. But at the same time, you know, you've got to be able to tactfully, if you can, say, look, you know, hey, you know, chief, captain, you know, BC, whomever you are, um, you know, you can't get blood from a stone. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, you know, to me, that's just as important. And also being that uh, almost that protector of the piece, because, you know, again, the, the first two engine, first two truck, um, you you get raped on the scene. I mean, that's just no other, you know, delicate way to put it. No way around. But but I, I, you know, I, I think that's what one of the most important things is to empower some of our driver operators and especially that that relationship between those two people riding in the front of that cab. They they've got to be on the same page because uh, I've had, you know, I've had somebody, you know, in my pre, in my previous uh, fire service life, 
who was you know detailed from another shift to, to a station where they would sit there and micromanage the crap out of one of my chauffeurs and say, hey, you know, when you, when you get on scene, you need to park here and you need to pull like five more feet up. And, and you know, and finally the guy just, you know, literally called me. I was, I was off duty. I was on vacation. He goes, man, I hate to bother you, but this freaking captain's driving me nuts. Can you call him and just tell him to back off? Because, I'm, you know, I, he said, if not, you're not going to see me for three shifts because that's what I, you know, I'm going to get the uh, non-paid vacation coming up. And basically, you know, if you need to develop that relationship, I think, between the officer and the chauffeur yeah. to say, all right, yeah. let's look, let's look at the mission by the type of occupancy. And it's almost like, uh, and Mike would agree with this too. It's like being on the truck. You know, I, I don't need, I shouldldn't need to tell my crew to, Hey, I need you to ladder the roof. I need you to take the saw up to the highest point of the roof. I want you to cut a minimum of four by four foot hole. I need you to poke through, make sure that you get the sub ceiling. Basically I can go, you know, I should be able to, you know, knock on the back glass, well, sorry, that's a dated reference. I should be able to turn around in the cab or get on my headset right. and go, hey, guys, uh, you know, go ahead and walk a dog on the roof. Open it up. Right. They take care of business. So you know, to me, it's incumbent upon not only your, your SOP, but also that relationship of the crew, specifically the driver and the officer, but the, the crew as a whole, um, you know, to kind of get your get your shit together, get your poop in a group at the beginning of the shift and, and train on that so that you know, you know those things are going to be taken care of. And as the officer... You can just, you know, tell your FATO or your driver engineer, hey, um, you know, we're, we're this is a commercial structure. We're going to be pulling a deuce and a half off the rear, whatever, you know, and set set them up for success. But don't don't micromanage them. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that, Roy? I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, micromanaging anybody is really not a great thing. And I mean, even more so the driver, like you can't micromanage a good driver i mean it's it's like this thing that you know it's like you don't you can't so so micromanaging people that know what the hell they're doing is you're handcuffing this person you know what i'm saying like you you so so you want the the dog on the leash that you have to hold back rather than the person that you have to constantly, you know, push forward. You know what I'm saying? So no, empower your drivers, empower your drivers and all your people for that matter to get better at their job instead of, you know, people feel like micromanaging is, you know, I have to do this because they don't know what they're doing. Well, why don't, instead of micromanaging, why don't you spend your time, you know, teaching them and empowering them? And getting them to be better. Because really, what are we doing when we micromanage? What we're doing when we micromanage is we don't trust them and we don't trust ourselves and our decision making. Okay. So, I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, the again, the driver thing is it's this. It's 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 the best position in the department, if you ask me, to be completely yeah, honest. And Roy, I think um, you know I I agree that I think that when you get into the habit of micromanaging, it's very demotivating. Yeah. Um, and most of these folks, I mean, if if you if you create the right culture, and not to say that we all do, but you know when you create the right culture, they're going to tell you if they have the tools or the uh, experience or knowledge to do their job. They'll feel comfortable saying, "Hey, you know, look." 
chief cap, you gave me a task and I, I want to do it 110%, but I, I need more information, you know, help me out here. Um, and that's where, that's where we should be. You know, it, it shouldn't be that thing. And you and you and I and Ben had talked kind of pre-show that sometimes it, you know, whether you call it the 50 mile rule, the two County rule, whatever the case is, um, you know, sometimes it's not the message as much as is the messenger. Like, you know, in, in my case, I'm very, very blessed to have a relatively young and, you know, highly motivated workforce. I mean, these people yes, are hungry. Yeah. They want to learn. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm blessed to work with this group. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I hold a position in that department that, you know, some of them are going to nod their head because they agree with what I'm saying. And others are going to nod their head because I don't want to disagree with what the guy's saying. I could be completely full of shit and dead wrong. And, you know, I want them to challenge me on that. And sometimes, you know, I do. I'll plant those seeds to just kind of feel it out a little bit, not not in a negative way, but just to say, okay, you know, I don't want a bunch of bobbleheads because after a while, I mean, I, I love, I love the instructional part. I love passing these things along, but you know, as instructors, like we said before, we not only pass along our, you know, our experience and our knowledge, but we also pass along our deficits. And, you know, we, we kind of like anybody else, we're human. So we kind of, uh, you know, revert to what we're the most comfortable with. And that might not be the best thing. That might not be the most operationally sound thing for that area that you're involved with. You know, me and Mike come from, a, you know, a, a very similar areas. Well, as a matter of fact, you know, he, he, he's kind of my, uh, in the other department, he's uh, essentially my replacement from when I retired, um, which, you know, they definitely elevated up on that one. But, uh, you know, he's a lot better looking at least. Oh my God! Yeah, well, he's got, he's got, he's got, you know, at least he's not faking the hair. I mean, you know, I got some in the front, but none in the back. But, you know, but these are the things that you know, to me in my department, that's why I feel that you know, as passionate as I might be or feel or trying to get the message across, sometimes I need to bring you know, I try to do as often as I can bring other people in because I'll sort, I'll sound like Charlie Brown's teacher after a while. They hear wah 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 wah, not because they're disinterested, but. I'm the same voice, you know, week after week. And I always say, you know, Tuesday's training is Wednesday's mission. So, and that, that sounds good, but you're just like the high rise training we've done recently. I've, I've had brothers from, uh, you know, three different departments within two different counties and they all served within a, a third different County way back in their fire service youth. So they're bringing a completely different perspective, even though we're all saying relatively the same thing. I mean, they're, you know, so if, if I get 10 people to hear something that I've said a hundred times, but in a different way, and now it resounds with them. Great. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that you, know, as not only officers, but as instructors, you got to put your ego aside and realize that sometimes you, you need to find a different way to put the message. Look, I am a, I mean, a morbid idiot when it comes to technology and apps and everything else. And, you know, I have a very young workforce, so you know, I can, I can talk about um, cable-driven throttles on a fire engine all day long, and that sounds great. I mean, but I might as well tell them about you know what kind of uh, you know feed blend we used to give the horses back in the stable before we hooked them up to the steamer. You know, it, it's kind of the same parallel. So, you know, with that being said, you know, sometimes you got to find a different way to put that message forward, and you know, I, I think that's what's valuable about having you know, kind of a a generational span. Um, where you can get some of these things in there and you could actually have that conversation in front of the students, not to, not to confuse them, but you could have a conversation in front of them 
that you know, like say you know, you you and I, Roy, might agree on ninety five percent of stuff, but there might be five percent that we're going to debate until you know, we're blue in the face. But at least they see the you know, why we feel that way about stuff. And I think I think that's valuable too to get them to not in a negative way, but to question their training and say, hey, you know, why why does this exist? You know, not just the theoretical that we teach them, but to say, you know. Like one of my former uh, career guys, he's now a county. He's, he's doing fantastic. But, you know, when, when he first came on the job, you know, he was trying to learn some stuff and he very, very hungry. And I, you know, every shift I would give him a, a, a homework assignment. And I'm like, OK, you know, hey, uh, how, how many holes are in the barrel strainer of the, uh, of the suck? You know, the, the, or how many holes are in the barrel strainer on that suction tube? And he'd go out and dutifully count them. And he'd come back and he's like, oh, you know, 64 holes. I'm like. Great. Why are they there? Why are they that diameter? Yes. You know, they and yeah, you know, and he goes, uh, I'm like, I don't need to know now, but you know, tomorrow morning when I, you know, when I come back in, you know, at shift change, I said, give me a report. And I mean, so this guy he was on it, and you know, it wasn't always the YouTube or the you know uh, Google something. He had to reach out to some guys that you know he never met before, and. Hey, you know, I, I called down to here. I taught this person who was a, a pump operator in, you know, XYZ County for 30 years. And so now he knew why. And it was, and that's what I'm hoping. It's like, you know what? It might seem like a, a bullshit thing at the time, but I'm hoping that maybe, you know, as he's probably getting ready to step up into a uh, uh, company level officer role very, very soon, these might be some things he passes down to kind of inspire that next generation. And that's, I, th I think that should be the hope. But, um, you know, from, from your guys' perspective, you know, especially as a, you know, trying to instill the, uh, I, I would say maybe the, uh, the work ethic in the next generation of driver engineers, driver operators, um, you know, what, what, what would be some sage advice? If I, if I were a, you know, firefighter EMT, firefighter paramedic, and I'm, I'm starting to show an interest in being a driver engineer, uh, you g give me, give me the tailboard sage advice conversation. Mm. All right. So <laughs> first and foremost to this generation, I would tell, tell them to get good with your hands, get good with hand tools, wrenches, screwdrivers. A lot of, a, a lot of guys don't understand, you know, how that relates to the job, but listen, the driver engineer has got to be mechanically inclined. I'm not saying you know, if you throw a piston or, you know, something crazy like that, that you've got to fix it on the spot, but you've got to know your way around um, mechanical components. You have to know your way around a toolbox. You have to, like, like I think uh, Mike said earlier, the, the driver has the answers. When I first started, uh, there was a driver <coughs> that, that I emulated and this guy was salty. This guy was rough around the edges to say the very least, but you know what this guy was? This guy was the guy that if you had a question that nobody else knew the answer to guaranteed, this is the guy that you would go to. So strive to be that person because, you know, historically, traditionally, that is the driver or the chauffeur. And we need to continue that. It's not just a position, you know, with all due respect to everybody else, it's not just a position. It's a, it's a position that serves a very, very important purpose. And it's not necessarily spotting the ladder truck and it's not necessarily pumping to the right pressure. It's a whole big picture 
of navigating and helping manage a firehouse and its personnel and being somebody that they could go to. Because like you said earlier, Chief, the lieutenant, the captain, they may not have ever been a driver. Okay. The people under you, if, 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 if your lieutenant or captain was not a driver and the paramedics and the EMTs and the firefighters underneath you are not drivers, you are the only driver that ever has been in that firehouse on that shift, correct? At that moment. So who knows that apparatus better and the equipment and the tools on that apparatus? So what I tell your guys when I teach them and you know anywhere else I'm teaching this driver class, outside of the, the the theories and the numbers and the charts and all this stuff, I try to instill in them. I'm like, listen, you have to understand that this is a monumentally important thing. Okay. This position, this undertaking that you are, you know, trying to accomplish and you have to take it with the utmost amount of pride and seriousness um, because people are going to come to you. They're going to come to you with questions and you need to have the answers. And if you don't have the answers, you need to get the answers for them. And that needs to carry on because when we start letting that go, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, it's lost. And it, I, I would only imagine that it would be very, very, very difficult, if not impossible to retrieve that if too much time has elapsed. And if the driver becomes nothing more than, you know, just another crew member that happens to be driving the truck because it's, it's about a lot more than that. And probably the, the biggest single thing that I do say and will continue to say to the, to the young member that's aspiring to be a driver is listen, this ladder, this engine, whatever it is, and every piece of equipment on it, this is your responsibility to know everything about it. Because if you don't and you're the driver, who does? You know what I'm saying? Like you're it. This is this is you. So, you know, let that sink in. And hopefully that's when, you know, these younger members or members that are aspiring to be drivers, you know, are listening to that and, and they take that seriously. And, you know, again, that, that's how my brain works, at least. But. I know my brain doesn't necessarily work like everybody else's. And that's a whole nother topic for another show would be the new generation of firefighters that we're all hiring and, you know, how to navigate through how they think and how they learn and stuff. Mike, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I completely agree. Uh, and one thing I wanted to piggyback on that I, I think is important, uh, you know, in, in, in the position that all three of us are currently in. Uh, and many, many people that uh, uh, that watch this, and the people that we work with, is that you know, male. We, you know, we say, um, you know, in, in our position of trying to train and, and trying to disseminate information, uh, you know, Roy, you said, you know, if we if we don't have the answer, then you know, we'll we'll do the best we can to find it, or we'll find someone that can give you the answer. Um, you know, I, one of our jobs. I believe, uh, well, actually two, uh, that could be more important than our knowledge base is recognizing where our weaknesses are. Yes. Uh, so when we, when we train people, 
uh, we're almost like, and I use this, I use this uh, analogy a lot. We're, we're almost like the quarterback of a team. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're the MVP. Uh, it doesn't mean that we have all the answers. Uh, we just kind of call the plays. However, uh, we know that we can't throw the ball and catch it. So there are many, many times where if we do not have um, the best knowledge base in, in a certain discipline where it's very important for us to um, audible and to go to a person that does and to allow them to step forward, empower them to, uh, to you know, get their knowledge out there so that, um, you know, the team is learning together. Uh, I feel like a lot of times in our positions, we think that we need to be the ones that educate all the time. Um, and that is a huge problem for us because uh, in our world, that actually uh, expedites the fact that, or, or the theory that, hey, we need to go someone two counties over, two states over to get them to come in here and teach because they're tired of hearing my voice. Uh, yes, they are. And that's why you empower your people because we do not have all the answers and we are uh, not the Navy SEALs of the fire service. Uh, you know, we, we do have a lot of education and that's important for us to give away, but we also have to be humble in the sense of recognizing when we need to pass the ball to a teammate and let them do some teaching. Um, just empowering them, giving them direction, giving them an outline, letting them practice, getting that information out there and then putting them in front of our, uh, our, our team members and allowing them to teach. I think that's very important. Um, and the other thing I think is is uh, equally as important um, and, and maybe more so than our knowledge base uh, in our education uh, of the service is being able to uh, allow your passion for the job. Because in our position, you have to be passionate about the job. Um, we need to be uh, the catalyst. Uh, we need to be the maestro for making sure that we are passing on that passion. Uh, it needs to be contagious. And that is one of the most important parts of being able to teach, being able to, you know, get some people, as we've talked about in, in the culture that we currently have today, some people just show up for the paycheck. Mm -hmm. We have to find a way to make them passionate about the job. We have to find something to pull out of them to make them buy in, to make them believe that this is more than just a paycheck. And I think that that is probably the most important thing that we can do um, as educators in that sense is to is to get them to say, hey, you know, I, uh, I want to know more uh, and I enjoy this. I uh, This isn't just a paycheck anymore. This is a, a passion of mine. And um, I, I think that that's probably the most important thing that we can do in our positions. Um, and, and I keep going back to the fact that our education is very important, but not as important as our passion, because when you're able to instill that in others around you that don't necessarily have it, then they will take that and they will go and start to educate themselves because they become passionate. They want to learn more. They want to become self-starters. So I would say that that is uh, one of the most important things that we could do. And uh, of course, I drew all that uh, right off of your statement, but, um, and it doesn't go into any driver training or anything like that. But I think that that's something important to touch on. 
No, and Mike, I agree. And we've actually hit the uh, little over the hour mark, so I'm going to get you guys to do your final wrap-ups. But, uh, Mike, I couldn't agree more. And I know, Roy, you, you, you're cut from the same cloth. You know, be that fire geek. Be that fire nerd. I mean, and, you know, Mike, if you want to check my numbers, you're welcome to. But I, I can tell you on uh, ladder – well, whatever. It's, it's redesignated now. I think it's truck three. But, you know, ladder six, I can tell you that the jack span is, uh, you know, 16 feet, 8 inches. I can tell you from the – the turntable to the to the bucket is 42 feet. I can tell you from the turntable to the tip of the bucket is 46 feet. I can tell you it's 48 feet 11 inches bumper to bumper. I can tell you it's you know 11 feet two inches side to side. Those are the things like when I would teach truck company class and, and aerial operator class before I even touched you know, a, a button a knob anything. They took that measuring tape and they learned inside and out how tall is it how wide is it. You know, where can you get this? Where can't you get it? If you fold the mirrors in, what kind of alley can get this thing down? If the mirrors are out, um, you know, which one are you willing to take off to get down that alley? Just like you said, squeezing that ladder truck into a place that no one ever thought possible. And, you know, my disclaimer, I'm not encouraging, you know, reckless damage to fire apparatus, blah, 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 you know, because none of us want a memo to come out in our name or, you know, have pages, you know, seven through 13 of the HR manual to be named. Yeah, after. That's right. not what I'm getting at. But, my point being is, you know, you've got you've got to be just like over the top learning about that piece of apparatus, even to the point like I've got some of my folks and you know, and Roy, this is a lot from your inspiration. They called the manufacturer, they called the technicians, and when the when the technicians come up there to spin wrenches on on the engine, guess what? My guys are freaking waist deep in the in the, underneath that cab with the technicians learning, and I've got some guys who are mechanically sound. I mean, they they run heavy equipment. They have their side businesses. They, you know, they have dump trucks and all that kind of stuff. But these guys, I mean, are literally ass deep underneath that cab and coming out more full of grease than the freaking uh, service technician because they want to learn the parts and pieces, man. And I, I almost equate it to that. Um, like we do it with SCBA. It's almost like that Marine rifleman, um, you know, that, you know, this is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. It is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it. it is I must master my life. You know, I, they they want to know the parts to pieces the capabilities and limitations they want to keep it clean they want to keep it ready they want to and so you know they they can never learn enough about that piece of equipment and it almost to the point and i i encourage this i mean these guys are they'll sit there and lambast somebody if they use the wrong freaking sponge to wash it i mean that's freaking awesome you know if, 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 if 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 that if that if that's the uh, shift war that I have to uh, intervene in, that hey, you guys used the wrong soap to wash the engine. Big picture, engine's getting washed, it's getting maintained, or taking pride in it. And if this guy uses the the shitty soap and this guy uses the premium stuff, great. That that is exactly what I want to see. Have that pride and ownership, but they you know, they just can't learn enough about it. And uh, uh, Mike probably had to pop off, uh, as we could see, with the flashing lights in the background. He's out on the street, and I was very glad to see that he was keeping his head behind the B post uh, out there in Baltimore City. Smart move. That's, that, that's experience. But, uh, hey, Roy, if you want to go ahead and give your final thoughts, and then we'll uh, wrap up and get out of here. Yeah, I mean, again, thanks for everybody uh, tuning in. Chief, thanks to you, Mike, Ben, for having me. Uh, hopefully I, I get invited back today. You know, I've got a lot of passion for this job. I'd love to share it with everybody as much as I can. Um, you know, passion and knowledge is only so valuable, uh, you know, especially when you keep it to yourself. Like, it's kind of worthless, to be honest with you. So you got to spread it. You got to share it. I, I want to empower everybody around me to do the same. Um, we kind of hit on 
a lot of driver stuff, you know, pump operator. We talked some instructor stuff, um, you know, so I'll, I'll kind of keep it on that. My closing remarks for you instructors out there. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of funny that this was brought up about teaching the wise, teaching the wise. You, when you become an instructor, you kind of become a product of the people that you emulate, um, the, the surroundings uh, around you. You don't necessarily, contrary to popular belief, you don't necessarily pick and choose, you know, what type of instructor you become. I fortunately, I think, became the type of instructor that I, I like, I love to teach the wise because that's how I learn. I don't, listen, if, if you're not learning the wise, why we do things and why we don't do things, and why this exists and why that doesn't, then frankly, we could just put out a target solutions and send it out and have people read it and you can teach yourself. Uh, it's a deeper level when you teach people the whys. So for all of you instructors out there, uh, budding instructors, keep that in mind, you know, and, and that's a, that's, that's another level. That's, that's, you know, you, you're going to have to put in the effort to get there because you can know something, but when you can teach why we do those things, that's a whole nother level. I'm still striving to get there on everything. Um, again, I could talk for another hour. Hopefully you guys have me on again in the future. Chief, um, much appreciated. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. Awesome, Roy. Well, thank you very much. And you know, we're very, very pleased and honored to have you on tonight and just you know, kind of having this tailboard conversation with everybody. And I think that goes a lot further than, you know, having the scripted shows and, uh, you know, throwing out a bunch of, uh, you know, BS buzzwords. But, uh, you know, great respect to you, um, you know, of course, National Rescue Consultants, because I've uh, been a solid organization that, you know, I've had the privilege of uh, you know, working with in my department, in, in my uh, career and volunteer department. It always brings, you know, quality work. And, uh, you know, Roy, I can say hands down, uh, you know, we've had you there several times, you know, for specific classes. And, uh, you know, every single time, you know, I, I know it, as, as soon as that, you know, chapter closes on the training, uh, you know, my folks are a million percent better than when they first went in. And they have the, uh, you know, the confidence and competence and that, you know, that comes from, you know, not only the passion and the knowledge, but also just the desire to make sure that, um, you know, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, if they, if these guys and gals have a call that you're, you know, you can sleep well, knowing that you've trained, you you've trained them well and that, that you know, they're going to be able to function and, uh, you know, appreciate everything you've done, you know, not only, you know, fire service wise, but instructional wise and, you know, for my department as well. So, uh, Roy Friedrich, thank you so much. Uh, National Rescue Consultants, check them out also. Phenomenal organization. You know, great instructors on that end. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, Roy, will uh, watch this podcast not only live, but also use it for training after the fact. But, you know, please reach out. Um, you know, Roy, we don't have your, uh, your your contact information to put up on the screen. Uh, ben would usually do that, but obviously had to hop off. And I just do not have the technological prowess yeah, to. Yeah, neither. But- neither. But uh, but either way, you know, if, if you want to reach out, you know, please do, uh, you know, reach out through uh, social media, through the website, through email, whatever the case is, send a carrier pigeon, a flare. We don't care. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that you get the information. So uh, 
Mike, uh, we, we see you're blanked out there, but I, I just texted Mike. He's still okay. Uh, you know, he didn't fall face the earth there in Baltimore, which uh, is a good thing. But Hopefully he's uh, catching jobs up there. You know, what? It, it's, it's a tough life, but, you know, somebody's got to do it, man. Okay. So it, it's all good. But, Roy, thank you so much for coming on tonight, and uh, we appreciate it, brother, and be safe. All right. Thanks, Chief. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Cheers.